Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about the bad men who create addictive reality TV and juicy updates about the fresh-faced lovebirds who just ended their reality stints. That's right. We're here to break down the kind of wild amount of Bachelor news and gossip that has come out in the last few weeks. Oh, all the podcast <laughs> interviews we have to break down. So many podcast <laughs> interviews. I think Claire and I spent like five hours just listening to other people's podcasts so that we could make a podcast. Yeah, it's, it's getting a very meta. meta career. <laughs> Before we get into all of that today, we just wanted to remind everyone that our recap of the second batch of Love is Blind episodes dropped yesterday over on Rich Text. You can find that at clarentemma.substack.com. And also on Love to See It, next week we are kicking off our rom-com rewatch Spring Break Edition, in which we will be re-watching some classic teen romances. And we're going to be starting with Love and Basketball. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I feel like the whole series has been building to teen rom-coms, which are like personally my favorite for some <laughs> reason. So here to get into all of the postseason Bachelor news and gossip with us today is Ashley Tabron, also known as Ash Talks Batch. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm very excited to be here. This is my favorite podcast. Oh, oh my God. Thank you so That's, much. We're so honored. We told you this uh, before we started recording, but just have to say it for all the people. We have been reading your coverage for so long. You're such a smart voice in the Bachelor space. Um, and we are so excited that you agreed to come on the pod because we have some, we have some like big news to get into. Yeah. When we scheduled this, we did not know. I tried um, to take a break like, last week and everything happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's always what happens yeah. after a season is you're like, oh, finally, a little break from Bachelor. And then like giant news drops. And you're like, oh, here we go. Um, before we dive in, I wanted to give a little personal news and gossip uh, on the pod, which is that 
I'm expecting a baby this summer. Number two. Uh, my toddler is going to be a big brother. Um, and so don't worry. We are going to still be covering the show. <laughs> I'll be taking a little break, but everything will be on lock. Emma's going to be here. We're going to have a wonderful co-host while I'm out. Yeah. And um, very excited to listen from the relaxing comfort of maternity leave, which, as we all know, is just it's so basically chill. a vacation <laughs> from what I hear. That's just w- women are so demanding about things like leave. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, we're. I am so excited for Claire. I'm so Yay. excited for Claire's whole family. It's so exciting. She makes some really cute kids. Oh. So I'm, you know, hopeful about this next one. The first one turned um, out well. So he really did. That's why we and decided frankly, to keep going. Yeah, you were like the first one didn't suck. So we're gonna I keep guess going until the there's a again. bad one. So we'll see. Once yeah. you hit the bad That's one, how you're it like, works. <laughs> you're like, I'm done here. Also, yeah. I'm just personally hoping that this child shares a birthday with me because yeah. the due date is close. So. Yeah, it's late July. We'll so. See. We'll see. Everyone that I know who has a birthday in late July, I know is really rooting to have a joint birthday party with my second child. So (laughs) good luck to all. Um, And thank you to everyone who uh, left nice comments and messages after I posted. Um, On Friday, it was very sweet. And I'm feeling just a lot of love and happiness right now. And on that note, let's talk about some really wild Bachelor news that I never in a million years... (laughs) (laughs) thought would actually happen and I'm still kind of my jaw is still on the floor Mike Fleiss is leaving The Bachelor after two decades wow did anyone here think this would happen I think I had given up hope honestly it was like there's been so many negative news Mm -hmm. stories about him Mm -hmm. and yet he just seemed like an institution, you know, he's the creator of the show. Yeah. Hollywood and, you know, entrenched institutions are pretty resistant to change. Um, and so, yeah, this came as a shock to me. Ash, what was your first reaction to this news? Well, initially when I saw why he was out, I was like, duh. Like, this is, duh. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand why people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so shocked. Like, it's something that we have known for a while, but, like, to really recognize and acknowledge that the show has, like, intentionally made it so that people of color weren't seen, weren't leads, weren't given screen time. It's just validating in that regard, but also just a little bit sad that it took this much for people to be like, oh, yeah, there's a problem. Like, we've been saying there's a problem. It was the reason why it took me until Rachel Lindsay to watch the show. So to see that it was intentional is just validating in the fact that it, like, confirms everything we've been saying, but it's kind of sad that it took people so long to finally see it. Yeah, Yeah. I think the biggest surprise for me was that that was the reason when that was so clear for so many years. I think I saw the Variety headline, Elizabeth Wagmeister had, like, the big initial report from Variety saying that he left after an investigation into allegations of racial discrimination was conducted by Warner Brothers TV. And yeah, you're like, wait, just now? They just heard about this in 2023? That seems pretty late. Um, And especially after 2020, when there was Mm -hmm. so much public pressure from former cast and people still very much involved with the show and from so many pundits and commentators and fans... 
And that didn't result in any apparent movement on Fleiss leaving. It sort of seemed like they had decided to stand by their man at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I don't think any of us or anyone that's been paying attention is not surprised to learn that there was racial discrimination or that Fleiss had a hand in it. Like, that is obvious. Um, But yeah, the surprise is like, it does make me wonder what exactly was the catalyst for a formal investigation, Mm -hmm. like what pushed it over the edge, who else that's high up at Warner Brothers was involved in that, like... Mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering if that information will yeah. will start to, to I mean, come out. I mean, I will say the Variety report and also uh, Matthew Baloney had a sort of more voicey investigation for Puck News. They both went into a little bit what actually happened with the investigation, um, which was triggered apparently by a number of employees going to Human Resources about Fleiss and complaining about. Yeah, the the issues that he was creating with casting, the racism, and just, like, also bullying, like, emotional bullying mm. of the, the staff. And that that ultimately did trigger an internal investigate or not internal, but a, an investigation that was conducted by an outside investigator in order to get to the root of it. And it seems possible to me that part of what's going on is that there has been enough pressure that they have started hiring more and promoting more producers of color and Black producers yes. over the years. And that that probably leads to just a group of colleagues for Fleiss who are willing to speak up about this, who are experiencing those effects very, and, you know, very viscerally yeah. and who are complaining about it. Whereas in the past, maybe that that, staff wasn't really there to speak to that and to really push this mm-hmm. forward. Or there was such a limited number of staffers of color that, you know, someone might just leave mm-hmm. rather than feeling that they had the support around them to to go to HR. And yeah, corporate dynamics are really complicated. Anyone who's worked in a corporate environment or experienced any sort of like HR investigation happening um, knows that. And like the thing that can make that kind of investigation actually like create change is that you have a number of complaints happening at the same time and you have enough people with enough power who are voicing those complaints. Like it's really hard for movement to actually occur if it's just one person. Mm -hmm. But if you have five people and you have people who are like at least at the middle management level you might start to see some movement. So I think that's exactly right, Claire. I'm sure that's what happened. Yeah, because there part of the pressure was, you know, from the Bachelor Diversity campaign and mm-hmm. and from a lot of the audience and past contestants on the show was, it can't just be cast, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be production staff. Mm-hmm. It needs to be executive leadership who are not all white. And there has been, because of this pressure, I think, some some level of diversification. Um, you know, the first Black executive producer, Jody Baskerville, mm-hmm. was promoted in 2021. There have been more Black producers hired. And so, yeah, that starts to create that environment where there's hopefully less tolerance for overt racial discrimination, which it sounds mm-hmm. like, let's get into some of the specifics of what 
they they're they it's said. pretty pretty appalling shit. It really yeah. Is. So according to uh Variety, producers complained about Fleiss's quote bullying behavior as well as his resistance to increasing diversity on the show over two decades. Individuals who spoke during the investigation expressed that when production staffers suggested casting more diverse reality stars, Fleiss would not take their suggestions and would, quote, lash out against them. The individuals who spoke anonymously with Variety said that throughout the investigation, a common theme that repeatedly came up was that the fight for change was a source of frustration for many cast members or many Mm -hmm. staff members, excuse me. They also reported that, quote, people said he would retaliate against people for having minorities and black people on the show. He favored certain people over other people, says an individual familiar with the investigation. He would say, quote, minorities don't get ratings. And that's something that really bothers me because when you look at, I feel like Mike Feist getting removed is a big step forward, but we still have to deal with the problematic audience. And I don't think that has necessarily changed. Because even if you look Mm -hmm. at like Charity who had, high screen time, but still like a low follower count compared to the other people at low screen time, it still is a problem with the audience. So I really am like hopeful moving forward that we can cast more people, Black people, more people of color on the show. But I still think the audience has to grow and adapt as well because some of the stuff that's been happening in the backlash has not been producers. It's not been Mike Feist. It's been the audience and like that's something that I'm concerned about moving forward, considering um, how mm-hmm. some people have backlash towards charity being announced and all these other things that I've been seeing on the internet. So I agree that the culture is pervasive, but like cutting him off, like cutting, removing Chris Harrison didn't necessarily change the culture either. So I'm hoping that the audience can diversify as well, because I know I'm one of the only Black people that I know that watched the show. That was the whole point of me is even starting my newsletter and like platform is just because I didn't have anybody else to talk to about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very white show historically. I mean, this even 2020 was far from the first time that this became a real issue for the franchise in 2012. There was that civil rights Mm -hmm. lawsuit filed by two black men who pointed out that they just like couldn't get cast on the show because the show pretty much only cast white men and the show ultimately was able to get that dismissed but that that critique it did continue to surface and very strongly in 2020 and it is this like this feedback loop you know the show mm-hmm. has these people in charge like Fleiss who say oh it's just about the numbers like we need to get the ratings i remember when we talked to chris harrison before there had been a black lead mm-hmm. on the show and we asked him about it and he basically was like well we need to keep all these people on the show employed. So we need to make a show that people will watch. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to worry about. And so it's clear that like, it wasn't just Chris Harrison thinking that, right? Like that was the whole mindset of Fleiss and the executive team. And, And yeah, that it's not coming from nowhere. They've cultivated this audience that wants to see white people fall in love and have white Christian babies. And so it's not a simple thing to just shift that expectation from the audience. But it's also, yeah, it's something they created. It's something Mm -hmm. that they built over the years. Right. I think they have to decide that they are committed to that from like a value perspective. And you have to be willing to accept kind of a, a period of growing pains where maybe the audience is adjusting, where you are making it clear 
to people who are not like white middle America evangelicals that this is also a show for them. And that takes time, right? That takes word of mouth. That takes building some trust with a new segment of audience that for very good reason does not believe that this is a show where they're going to see themselves or they're going to see a love story that feels at all familiar or, yeah. Like, I just think that you kind of have to accept that if you created mm-hmm. this this thing. And that's kind yeah. of what we're all saying. Yeah. I mean, it's you can't take out the responsibility of the audience, right? Like, there are a lot of people who don't want to see Black leads and who are, you know, racially harassing contestants Mm and there's a very ugly side to bachelor nation um you also can't say like oh we invested years in creating this show that caters to racist white people and so now we have to keep catering to them and that's not our fault so there's this like cycle (laughs) of responsibility Mm -hmm. and it's hopefully it's in the process of being broken but it's a it's a huge shift for them to make Fleiss did, like, defend himself in a statement to Variety and says, uh, he said, I am proud of the work we've done over the last five years, over the past five years to make the show substantially more diverse, but I do believe I could have done more. I think that's, yeah, that's really the issue that he just... (laughs) an understatement. He tried so hard, but not hard enough. And then he he added, judging by the number of staff weddings we've hosted at our home and the number of teary messages that blew up my phone when I announced I'd turned in my final rose, I'm pretty sure I had more good days than bad, lifted more spirits than hurt feelings, and leave the franchise in good hands with more friends than foe. He, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that there are people who like Mike, Mike Fleiss. Um, that doesn't mean that he was not like an emotional bully at work or that he was not uh, racist right. toward cast members and toward people that he worked with. So, I am I mean, I guess he just wants to make sure that we all know that some people think he's like a really nice guy. <laughs> he's like, I do have a few friends. Guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that right also- did. I'm, I was saying, I think he also can't really take credit for the past five years. I feel like they were literally forced, like, with the gun to their head, like, do yeah. this, or there's going to be a mass exodus. So, like, to take credit yep. for something that you barely did is, like, suspect as well. Yeah. No, I know. It's, it's like, under duress, you were forced to yeah. do the bare minimum. And on his way out, he's like, let me just pat, let myself, me just on pat myself on the <laughs> yeah. back for that. It's like when they were literally sued the next season, they cast some Black women. And they were like, good we for us. It. We really stepped up and we did it. And then after 2020, also, you had, like, lots of fan favorite cast members who were like, we're just not going to participate in the show anymore. We can't support this. And they're like... You're right. Out of the goodness of our hearts, we, Mike Fleiss, <laughs> and the Bachelor franchise are going to take care of this thing that no one else even really cares about. It's It beggars belief that he thinks we're gullible enough for this, to, quite honestly. To him. Mm-hmm. But he does think we're really gullible. I mean, that is one of Mike Fleiss's hallmark traits. Like, what, do, what does he do when he's not abusing and racially discriminating at the office? He tweet stuff like huge bachelor announcement historic announcement coming tomorrow and then he just never tweets an announcement and <laughs> just revels in the fact that he got everyone in a tizzy for a day because he knows we'll just fall for whatever deranged tweet he sends out i guess mm-hmm. so he doesn't have a high respect for the <laughs> intelligence the of audience. bachelor nation mm-hmm. yeah nope um 
one other tidbit from Mike Fly's history that I don't want to overlook before we wrap this up is in 2019, he was accused of assaulting his pregnant wife and demanding she get an abortion. And at the time, a lot of critics said, including us, that the show should get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. So again, just like, there are so many ways in which he I has been publicly is... and in in a very clear way. I mean, he those charges were were ultimately dropped, and he and his wife ultimately reconciled. Um, but there have been a number of incidents where it seemed clear that he was like a liability to the show. I mean, mm-hmm. and this was after years of critique that The Bachelor portrayed women in a negative light, that it was misogynistic, and. There has been widespread reporting on him being, like, just a bad boss, a general asshole, like, for years, Mm -hmm. right? That is, there's an entire character on Unreal (laughs) created by a a woman who worked as a producer on the first few seasons of this show. Amy Kaufman's book has a ton Mm -hmm. of really unflattering anecdotes about Fleiss's management style. There was that 2019 report. And, like, I think all of that is why... I was surprised when I saw Mm. that he was leaving and that he had been finally pushed out because it really did start to feel like this guy is just Teflon. Like, Mm -hmm. everything can bounce off of him. There's nothing that's going to, there's nothing that's going to stick because he's just been allowed to kind of run roughshod over Mm -hmm. everyone for so long because he created this thing that made a lot of people a lot of money. And it's depressing it took this long, but. yeah. I wonder if there was some, also some element of now that the show's ratings are in a slide. Mm-hmm. I had the same thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone wants yeah, to like, <laughs> cast blame for who, why that is, but it's harder to say, like, you got to keep me. I make this show magic every year when the ratings just aren't down. as strong as, as they yeah. want. Um, he kind of reminds so, me of the president or the former president in the way that things are sliding down for him as well. And you were like, this is what took him down when there's literally yeah. a laundry list of things. Yeah. So hopefully they both get a reckoning in the same week. That'd be great for me. But <laughs> Yeah, that was, a, that was a day when I was like, wow, all of the bad men are having a moment. Even if it's only a moment, it's it's a moment of reckoning. Still, you, Cheers. You just feel a little bit good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, speaking of that ratings decline, one more little detail that jumped out of the reporting. Uh, this was in Baloney's investigation for Pac. He wrote, despite industry-wide declines, Fleiss would blame the ratings erosion on the show's efforts to diversify, even trying to edit Black people out of scenes. He also made mooing sounds when he saw a contestant he thought was overweight, according to one show source. I mean, just it's getting a glimpse at the mindset that obviously would make the kind of show that The Bachelor Mm -hmm. is in which everyone is skinny, everyone is white, black people are clearly not given the same amount of screen time, even when they make it further in the show. Um, And And, and other non-black people mm -hmm. of color as well, of course. And then, you know, so it's not it's not that it's unbelievable to hear these anecdotes, but it's still incredibly disgusting. Very much so. So, yeah, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out, Mike Fleiss. <laughs> it's been real. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> we will not miss you. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back with a 
Bachelor News Update Roundup. Can you keep up? I like love it. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out, you won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space, and even better— you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer, Talon, has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop, how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order. And get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back. So a lot of little news items this week from Bachelor Nation. Uh, should We, we just will be in? getting into all of the podcasts that we mentioned yeah. earlier. But first, we want to run through some smaller news items. You have to wait to hear about what we heard on the yeah. podcast, okay? <laughs> Stick with us. Let's talk about some little Bachelor news items. So some, some engagements. First, Alexis Waters from Nick Vial Season is engaged to her boyfriend, Tyler Fernandez. They were introduced by Rachel Lindsay, and they dated for four years. He proposed with, like, truly a robin's egg-sized gem on a yacht in Miami. It was, like, the See, biggest ring I think thing. I've ever you seen. You go on The Bachelor, and you get a giant <laughs> rock, whether or not you get it from Neil Lane. Yeah. That's just, it's a guarantee. Once you're on the show you're entitled to an oversized diamond in the contract. It's true. When you go on the girls' trips, you can't be the only one without a ring that literally requires you to do finger <laughs> exercises to hold it. It just would be shameful. Um, we, I, I, Lexus had kind of dropped off my radar because I don't, I think, follow her on Instagram. But she was such a sweetheart on next season. I was happy she's, to see oh, this Oh, she's such a delight. Yeah, we, we've we met Alexis. We she have. did an event with us way Years back ago. when. And she is, was so sweet. I love that she and her boyfriend were introduced by Rachel. That's I love so their cute. friendship. That yes. just makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's truly the thing of like, if you go on the show, you you probably won't marry The Bachelor, but you very well might meet someone who will introduce you to your future husband. So You'll still change tax brackets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You'll still meet someone who can afford to give you a 15-carat diamond. This is, this is actually just like an upward mobility <laughs> class it's working. show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Again, this is why The Bachelor is like, is just like a pageant. It's like, how mm -hmm. do we get hot women in front of more people so that they can make more advantageous matches? 
Ivan Hall from Clacia's season is also engaged <laughs> to his girlfriend, Taylor Roberson. Uh, it seems like she's a, an old flame. They were a little vague about it. They've known each other for years. Mm. They reconnected after she finished medical school and moved to Dallas, which is where he lives. She's an anesthesiologist. He's like a rocket scientist. powerful woman. I know. God. <laughs> I'm Damn. Like, I'm a little bit intimidated by them. And then they have... But also I will say that this is uh, a tale as old as time when it comes to Bachelor and Bachelorette mm-hmm. alums. They like all tend to come off the show. And then they're like, my ex seems yeah. great now that I think about it. And then they just go back to them. Didn't he get her a car? Oh, yes. Ash, we will talk about <laughs> okay, the car. Okay. Yes, the, the car. Tesla. Oh my God, we have to talk about the car. Okay, so... This is like such a dude influencer proposal to me. You know, like when the woman is the lead influencer, it's like gauzy white clothes on a beach and like flowers and candles. And they're like in a parking lot, like a (laughs) very nice parking lot, because he got her Tesla, a proposal Tesla. I was like, Ivan, (laughs) we're going for Tesla. Like, have you read the news about Elon Musk? Like, he's no longer cool. I there will are a say lot though, of other Teslas are everywhere. My neighborhood is blanketed mm-hmm. with Teslas. I th- I'm sorry. I think they're so stupid. <laughs> well, I think they're pretentious, but I, I recently I also think like I've been like well, I know Susie didn't Susie video it or wasn't she the yes, videographer? I love so. this part of it. I was like, this is the ultimate collab because Susie Evans shot the proposal. I mean, she yeah. is a a wedding and proposal mm-hmm. videographer. So I was like, I love this collaboration she's just like a she's just a videographer to to bachelor nation now like whenever one of them yeah, drops a video Susie was there <laughs> honestly good for her right i'm yeah. like yes these are the connection you you've endured enough trauma Susie. you deserve some <laughs> job opportunities yeah, out of does. this she seems um, genuinely nice too like i feel like she gets along with everyone she does. just as a sweet spirit yeah. i know don't you just like kind of want to be her friend you're like you seem fun i think she would just be anyone's yeah. friend if you met her she'd be like yeah let's do shots yeah like, that's the type of vibe no, that's the fantasy i'm like if we met we would just become friends i wouldn't have to do any work because she's just so nice <laughs> um he also partnered with an online ring company called Kizar to design the ring. And so there are so many pictures of them, like, on the white Tesla with the big red bow on it. And they're, like, couture. Or she's, like, holding her hand up with the ring and, like, also looking at the Tesla at the same time. <laughs> and I was like, you can just tell that, like... A man influencer staged this. It's so (laughs) masculine. (laughs) And the Tesla, I just like, I I died. I die. I die. I mean, I'm so happy for them. I've always liked Ivan. And I he's really come into his influencer own. It's like just a a different vibe than the one he gave off while he was on the show. Very much so. Yeah, if you'd ever told me he would propose with the white Tesla, I'd be like, Ivan? But, you know, he's making we it work for him. We all contain multitudes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we also have a baby update. Kayla uh, Quinn and her husband, Nick Borello, uh, welcomed their first child this weekend. Teddy Marie Borello. Yes, they, they clearly named her after Teddy uh, <laughs> from Clayton's season of The Bachelor, which is so sweet. 
Um, she was born <laughs> on she was born on March 30th, eight pounds, four ounces. She's so cute and looks she exactly so like cute. both Kayla and Nick as a baby. She does. Kayla posted her baby photos and Nick baby's photos, and I was like, I don't even know. She, they, they also kind of look similar as mm-hmm. babies, which I didn't realize until I saw these photos. <laughs> um, so cute. Teddy is is so cute. She has like, I love a baby that just comes out with cheeks, <laughs> with the chubby yeah. cheeks. Oh, I die. So cute. Well, she made it to forty weeks, so that is a that is a fully, fully cooked, cooked baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy for for Kayla. Yeah, it's very exciting. I've been like All tracking this pregnancy for, for week by week for nine months now, I guess. Um, <laughs> I know. Claire texted. She's like, Kayla dropped her. Ba- I'm dropping the baby news. Friday, Friday news dump. It's happening. I yeah, like, I, yes. wanted to, I wanted to Auspicious. be just like Kayla. Um, <laughs> so congrats to the Borellos. Uh, Gabby Windy has moved to Los Angeles. She's making the big love that for her. The big change. She finished her Dancing with the Stars tour, and then she she made the move to LA. And I'm just really looking forward to crossover content mm-hmm. with her and Rachel, just mm-hmm. living their best post bachelorette single lives. I want I want that for them. I need yeah. that like bestie content. She looks so good too. Like her last post, she just looks amazing. The best she's ever oh my looked. God, I really am wondering she's like what's so next hot. for her. She's so pretty and so funny. Like she literally <laughs> is like the one of the best people in the past five years that's been on the show. So I'm really excited to see I, what yeah, she does okay. next. I'm obsessed with her. Also, uh, this was a little longer ago, but wasn't she seen on a date mm-hmm. with someone from Dancing with, with the Stars? Alan Burstyn. Alan Burstyn. Alan Burstyn. It felt like such a stage thing to me. I'm not sure I buy that it's for real, but sure. (laughs) A source told people that they that it was their first date and he asked her out. And it does seem like very much something that Dancing with the Stars would just want to be put out there. Mm -hmm. But I love the idea of her out there dating. So I'm gonna embrace it. Like thriving, embracing this new life of hers. I think that also we should start to see more people come off the show and just move into influencer houses together. Like, mm. I think Gabby and Rachel and some of their buds should all just, like, live in a house mm. and make TikToks together. <laughs> I know. Rachel. Rachel's already living with Genevieve. Mm-hmm. Right. They, so, like, everyone they've really been together. posting some great, just move in great content. <laughs> like a hype house. This is what the kids are into these days. I feel like the hype houses all got like really dark and had like labor violations and like all had to disband. And we're like, maybe that's not a good idea. We'll hear a podcast (laughs) about it later. Yeah. I am waiting for that because I didn't really track what was happening with the hype houses. And I do need an investigative podcast to hash it all out for me. Um, But I think Gabby and Rachel are like old enough to handle themselves Mm -hmm. and they could make it work. Um, yeah, hype houses, but everyone has to, like, be 30. in their 30s or, like, on the precipice of 30. 27 and up only hype houses. It's just, like, a lot of people Everyone like, goes to bed at 10.30. And pass out. On at least yeah. one medication. Like, you have to be legit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, hey, guys, I have these great microdose weed gummies. They'll really help you sleep, but also, like, be able to wake up at an appropriate time in the morning. Like, that's the, the influencing I need. Um, we have to end our news roundup, unfortunately, with a really dark and depressing piece of news. 
which is that a former contestant from The Bachelorette was arrested in Florida on 15 counts of possession of child pornography. Um, The contestant in question is Joshua Tyler Best, who made it to week three on Katie Thurston's season. So not someone who's super prominent in Bachelor Mm -hmm. Nation, but I certainly did recognize him. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty horrifying and shocking news it's abhorrent. Um, like ugh. yeah yeah it's disgusting it's very disturbing obviously and there's not yeah. really much else no. to say other than yeah. like this happened and it's horrible hope he's held accountable yeah yeah <sighs> exactly yeah not much not much else you can say about news like that but we did not want to completely ignore it no. um there are really awful people out there and some of them <laughs> end, end up, up on, on the, the bachelor and that's that's how it goes um so on that note, their background checks like i, I mean, don't understand serious. well i guess are it they hiring because i can until... do it <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm really good at i'm really good at instagram stalking yeah so absolutely horrifying and uh we hope that he is held accountable as you said ashley and we're just gonna leave it there let's uh let's let's pivot to discussing some of the podcasts that we listened to this week because the final three as well as zach all went on a bit of a tour this week Mm -hmm. after the finale to talk about their experiences uh at the end of the season so first we have ariel ariel went on the vile files to talk about her fantasy suites experience with Zach and and the, and her season. Yeah. Ariel is great. Um she was super candid on the Vile Files. I thought it was it was a great interview. Um and yeah, there were a few things that we pulled out that we thought were were particularly notable. First, I thought it was interesting that she told Nick that it was like really really important to her to name what she was in with Zach as an open relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that we commented on when she said it on AFR. Um, And apparently that's something that she had like really thought about beforehand. She said to Nick, quote, I committed to an open relationship. So the issue of what happened wasn't the fact that the person was open, I guess like sexually, it was the dishonesty. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's notable that Katie, Ariel, and Gabby all seemed to kind of echo this, Mm -hmm. that like they all were aware of the terms of what of the relationship that they were signing up for and all hell broke loose because Zach. Zach made it unnecessarily mm-hmm. messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think often we we have seen women on the show, especially, you know, when you have a big group of like very Christian, very religious mm-hmm. women, you tend to see a lot of like, you know, boundary setting, which is fair and anxiety around sexuality and sexual openness and the idea of like sharing of the fact that the lead could have that experience with more than one person. And I, so I found it interesting that Gabby, Ariel and Katie all didn't seem to feel that way and like made that pretty explicit in these, like both on the show and in these post post show press rounds. And again, I remember Ariel saying like that he took her autonomy or the decision away from them. And I feel like he was like very much aware of how he was going to be perceived as a bachelor. 
And that was a big impetus for his whole declaration mm-hmm. because he doesn't seem religious. So there wasn't any real like inclination for him to like make this no sex ban. So I think he just really didn't want to get like lumped in with Clayton and other bachelors. So in doing yeah. that, he kind of reversed everything and made a much bigger mess than it needed to be. Yeah, I think ugh, I feel such sympathy for Zach because it just seems like every way that a bachelor tries to do it lately, it, it just goes bad. to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I well, because they they right the show has an interest in making it mm-hmm. go to hell. <laughs> well, like, and yeah, and because <laughs> women are different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that with Clayton season, I was critical of Susie, and I think it was really tough that he went in being like, this is the format of the show and like, I'm going to compartmentalize and follow the format of the show and it's going to be okay. And then Susie went last and was like, it's not okay that you had sex. When that was kind of like supposed to be the structure of the show that was understood. Mm-hmm. And so you end up at the situation where it's like, well, do I ask each of the women before fantasy suites week even mm-hmm. comes up what they're mm-hmm. comfortable with? Um, is that jumping the gun by talking about things too early? Um, is it more important to get that information? How individual can you have those conversations if you're going to have two of those dates first? And then the last one, it turns out that her boundary was that you do something differently three days ago. Um, yeah. The show has always coped with this by having this template. And so Zach tried to have his own like little addendum to the template. He was like, I'm modifying the template we're all doing the same thing, but it the same thing is no sex. And then everyone's like, oh, well, you're treating the women like they're all the same. And it's like, yeah, that's how the show works. <laughs> it's by assuming that the women are all the same. And of course they're not. And so it just gets messier and messier. Mm-hmm. I, I feel so bad for everyone involved mm-hmm. in this shit show. Um, I know, me too. And I will say that both Gabby and Ariel in their podcast interviews, although they were critical, they also both made a point to be like, we really feel for Zach. for Zach and how difficult the position he was in was. And like, I, I appreciated that. Yeah. I also found it interesting that Ariel told Nick that um, once they got in the fantasy suite, that she and Zach just like stayed up all night talking. And she was like, yes, he did tell me what went down <laughs> with him and Rachel, but I will not be sharing that. And I was like, this is like the one piece, like, I want to know. Yeah. I want to know so badly. In that moment, I was like, I wish, I just wish I were Ariel just for that. Like, I would give up everything else in my life just to be Ariel and have that information. I think we'll just have to um, wait yeah. for a year. Like, if we wait for a year, though, one yeah. of them will write a book and then we'll get it. <laughs> but we have yeah, to buy yeah. It. Like, yeah. I'm just waiting for one of them to write a memoir. We need and, them to like, be off contract. <laughs> yeah. It's. <laughs> That contract is a bitch. Um, Yeah. (laughs) She uh, also went into a little bit more of of what happened when they were in Thailand. She went first. He gave her this little proclamation about not having sex. And she she was like, I would have preferred that we just talk about that privately later. And he would have known that we were on the same page. And, like, it would have felt more like conversation between us instead of just like introducing the sense that I was just one of three people that he was managing. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's perfectly reasonable. She also says that at the rose ceremony, 
She still didn't know what had happened. So when Zach said mistakes were made, she suspected that he had slept with someone or had gone against his word in some way. And she was like, I clearly wasn't involved in that. So I don't know. And she's like, also, he wouldn't make eye contact with me. It's fascinating hearing so this she to was me because like, she had such a poker face. I was watching her and I was like, someone must have told her what happened because she's not sh- giving away anything. I think she's just a very composed, controlled mm-hmm. person. Like she even spoke about that and like she goes into kind of in intense, like just absorb mode mm-hmm. and then processes later. And that's also why she said she didn't really like emote during the breakup. So it seems like she was just sort of silently processing because she said in that moment that she kind of realized that she was going to go home. She's like, clearly some big drama happened mm-hmm. that I have no idea about. And this man will not make eye contact with me. So like probs I'm leaving. Um, And something else that I thought was interesting, she said that during their overnight that Zach had kind of communicated to her that her hometown was a little rough for him and that her family had I think we all saw concerns. that. Right. <laughs> we did, but I guess Ariel did not uh, did not experience that. Like mm-hmm. she didn't know really that that had happened. And so she definitely was not maybe as like enthusiastic about the idea of a proposal mm-hmm. as the other two women after their overnight. She told Nick, you know, my family members are not the arbiters of my relationships and who I end up with, but it is important for someone to fit into my family and fit into my world. And so I think it probably raised like a little bit of concern. Flags. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some flags that uh, that Zach and her family didn't like smoothly get along. (laughs) He couldn't give a straight answer because he tries to we see this all the time at hometowns when they're trying to like maintain the show storyline. So they can't really say what they want to say. But he's like, no, I like Ariel. Mm-hmm. I can see myself with her. But, like, he can't really be like, I'm not going to pick her. So I feel <laughs> yeah. like whenever, because that happened with Greg and Katie the same way. I feel like she was trying to feed him story, like, show lines. And he was like, I want real. And that disconnect always, like, leads to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There probably was something that her family members were, like, picking up on. Mm-hmm. Just, like. This and doesn't I mean, feel quite right. Let's be honest. You know, does Zach really fit in with her family? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not real. Like it's when you see him with like Gabby and Katie, you're just like they're just like the same person, mm-hmm. but you know, a few details have changed. And Ariel is so different from him. The vibes <laughs> and her are family so different. Is so different. Imagine bringing him to the holidays every year, and you're just like, well. He doesn't know how to navigate this situation. <laughs> I'm really just picturing Zach like sitting at a Seder and it's just, you know, he just it would be a steep learning curve for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've done it, so I know it's possible, but uh ugh, it, it looked like it was gonna be rough. <laughs> uh on that note, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with the rest of the interviews that we listened to on various podcasts this week. Can you keep And we are back. Okay, so let's round out the rest of what Ariel said. Yeah, Ariel, as always, uh, these people just really dig in. There's so much. There's so much in these interviews. Um, 
she talked a little bit more about being frustrated that she didn't hear from Zach about what happened with Gabby. And she, she you know, the, it is this awkward thing where everyone's like, it should have been private, it should have been discreet, mm-hmm. but also I should have been told. Mm-hmm. And so she tries to sort of hash that out and says, you know, he really shouldn't have publicly shared it on camera. He should have privately run it by Gabby and then privately told me and Katie because they were the people involved in this open relationship, right? Like they were all in a situation where they deserved to have that information and the cameras do not. Of course, the reality is that the show is not going to let this happen without cameras. No, I think the only way that that could have happened was that he told Katie privately in the suite, in the fantasy suite and that he had contacted Ariel after the show finished filming. Like, that is yeah. basically the only way. And I think he should have, have done that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that he was had very... He had shitty options because mm-hmm. of the cameras. And he still chose probably the shittiest option. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just had a guilty conscience. Like, I, as a kid, would yeah. be the same way. Like, I would tell on myself without my parents having to, like, say, like, I did this, I broke this, or I spilled this. <laughs> so I feel like Zach is just like, I can't have this date with her with this cloud hanging over me. So I think that's the main impetus was, like, to get rid of his guilt. And I think he just wanted to do that and, like, okay, now we can have a date. But yeah, like, Ooh, I feel so much yeah, better I think now. You're right. I think you're right. Yeah. He couldn't wait until the fantasy suite. Um, but he also, like, couldn't even wait until the date. Like, he had to <laughs> sit down with Jesse on camera to talk about it. Uh, the, it. It was a very tricky situation. And I think that Ariel is also, also clocks that, like, the fact that he talked about his sex ban on camera necessitated mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the talking about it on camera later. And so the whole approach was was flawed in that way. for that reason. She also called out, which I appreciated, um, the gendered ways that sexuality can be weaponized against women in particular. And, you know, she talked about why it was so upsetting for her to see what happened to Gabby. And she's like, a big part of that is that sexuality is treated differently mm-hmm. when it comes to women yeah. versus men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I appreciated that she... Yeah. that she was aware of that and that she like called that out in a public platform. So I think that's definitely something we saw. I was thinking a lot about Hannah and Peter mm-hmm. uh, after the finale because uh, we recently talked to Hannah about this, that they had sort of intended to keep that private and mm-hmm. that she did not want to tell Luke that she had slept with someone because it was supposed to be private. And then she was pushed and pushed and finally she just blurted it out. And she, she was like, I felt bad having revealed that because it was supposed to be private. But what actually kind of happened, and and while, like, that boundary should be respected for both mm-hmm. men and women, the consequences for Gabby were being, like, massively slut-shamed and, like, harassed. Mm-hmm. And for Peter, he was sort of this, like, sexual Celebrated. god hero. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, people were like, you can have sex four times in a windmill? Like, oh, my God, <laughs> be the bachelor, please. He really got the bachelor <laughs> so, because of that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they were like, this stamina, I guess he has what it takes. He has know. the virility required to be our leader. And that went yeah, well. It, so. 
Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's one of many bad metrics for choosing a bachelor. I've yet to really find a good metric. They always seem to get it wrong. But but I do feel that while I still do feel like it's unfair for Peter's privacy to be violated if he had expected it to be private, of course. Like, there is just a component of respect and consent but the consequences mm-hmm. do tend to be different, and we've seen that play out in Bachelor Nation. So, always, always nice to see that being acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, Ariel, Gabby, and Katie have also all talked about in their interviews that they have remained really close. They've gone on trips together. I love that. They, Me they, too. They posted that photo and caption together um, after Fantasy Suites Week. That was something they all came up with together, and I think it's just beautiful. It must be very weird for Zach, which I kind of <laughs> love. Like they all united deal against with it. Him. That's what happens when mm-hmm. you meet your girlfriend on a show where she is becoming best friends with all your other girlfriends. <laughs> like that's just you yeah. gotta accept that these women are gonna be in be in your life lives. afterwards. <laughs> I think Katie was getting backlash for, like, the comment that she made, like, I knew you were the only one. And so Katie was like, they took it out of context, and that wasn't really what she meant. And so I think it was really good for all of them to show solidarity in that moment. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. They were all standing up for each other mm -hmm. and how they each handled Yeah, Ariel and Gabby both kind of said, like, we all had a different experience of that week, but we all had a hard time Mm -hmm. with how things played out. And so, like... We it was really important for us to show that we all support each other. We're all still friends. Like, there's no teams here. Mm-hmm. Ariel also talked uh, a little bit about something that Emma has discussed uh, from the show, which is that Ariel was representing Jewishness and mm-hmm. being outspoken about it during her hometown and also talking about being a first-generation immigrant and how it's defined her life and one thing that she said that really struck me was that she was very nervous about misstepping and creating an excuse for Mm. negative sentiments towards Mm -hmm. Jews and that she did feel like the edit made her family look like the most negative one and that that gave her a lot of anxiety yeah I thought that that was I was really struck by that and I was also glad that she was speaking about that so so openly and also so close. Like, while she's still on contract, I'm glad that she's been able to speak about that because there is this, I mean, for anyone who is not a part of kind of, like, the dominant culture that The Bachelor centers, which is, of course, white, straight, evangelical, um, and, like, I, I, there is this extra responsibility Mm -hmm. that falls on you. Obviously, this is something that, like, Rachel Lindsay spoke about a lot, Mm -hmm. being the first Black Bachelorette. And Ariel is kind of echoing that in the sense that she's like, I'm basically the first really openly Jewish person on this show, which is kind of wild, but it's true. Like, as we know, there have been other Jews in prominent roles, Andy Dorfman, Jason Mesnick, but their Jewishness was really, really downplayed. We even saw, like, on this season, like, I didn't realize that Greer is mm-hmm. Jewish. What? And that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that no was idea. obviously completely, completely I erased. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wouldn't say that's, she presented the best right. 
the best representation, <laughs> you know, but like obviously in people any group, like right, yes. people are individuals yes. and not representatives of their religious or ethnic or racial group. And yet when you are a minority within the world of this show, that is the responsibility that is put on you. And that is, it's unfair and it's a really big weight to carry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I yeah, honestly, she talked about the fact that she felt like the representation of her brother mm-hmm, in particular mm-hmm. was that he was made to look like extra aggressive mm-hmm. and that her family as a whole was sort of portrayed as as the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, it's interesting. I didn't I didn't clock that just because I feel like there's always a family that they need to find that drama where they can <laughs> find <Yeah>. it. <laughs> um and it did seem like they were pretty skeptical and I thought that was justified. So <laughs> I didn't I just rolled with it, but um I can see why that would make her very uncomfortable mm-hmm. to be the only one in that position and to have the only family that was portrayed as quite hostile to the process. Mm-hmm. Um I also think I I mean I wonder what it means that the first time they have this kind of representation of someone who is Jewish, who's sort of open about that, that she's someone who wasn't and isn't a lead or mm-hmm. the winner, um, that there is this way in which they can still like have her come so far and be like, we're letting mm-hmm. her talk about her faith. We're not saying mm-hmm. don't s- smash the the glass at the reception, but it still doesn't really impinge on the romance of the white Christian hetero couple at the end in some way. I think like with, um, in years past, it's been like a black contestant will be like top four or top six. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they got this far. We showed them this much, but then, okay, we can get to the rest of the love story. Like once they leave. So I think it's really important now, especially with Mike Feist gone to, and like to increase who is coming on the show so Ariel doesn't have to shoulder the burden. So Rachel Lindsay doesn't have to right. shoulder the burden. So hopefully moving forward, they can make those changes because it just, you how anti-Semitic the world is right now, how anti-Black the world is right now. We know the types of messages that they are receiving. We know like, I, we get a we get a sliver of it. So I can imagine with mm-hmm. contestants, it's exacerbated. So I really hope that, this is like a serious shift and that like her being vocal and being prominent and other people speaking out really can like actually make momentum and change. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was so perfectly said and I completely agree. It's like once we just start having a critical mass of people who have all sorts of different intersecting identities, Mm -hmm. it no longer becomes this big thing that has to be commented on and these people no longer have to like shoulder that Mm -hmm. that weight and yeah that is what we want to see we want to see this like beautiful diversity of lived experiences Mm -hmm. and that that makes for better storylines and like stickier conflicts Mm -hmm. and yeah like the show is better when we see different different stories portrayed and different identities represented. I mean, how how much did Ariel being on the show just make us more excited? Like, the fact that she was, like, in it to the end. Like, to see something that's just a little bit different um, than 
the many of the lovely ladies who are still very similar to what we've had in the past. Um, Look, I just, I yeah. never thought I would see the day where Gefilte Fish was on The Bachelor, and that's important <laughs> to my culture, so. Yeah, me neither, honestly. <laughs> more, more of all of this, more of all of this. Um, so she says she isn't interested in being in the, the Bachelorette, so maybe we will never have that. But Ariel, if you ever change your mind, we would love to see you as a Bachelorette one day in the future. We're giving up on Bachelor. We're just doing back-to-back Bachelorettes. Um, <laughs> it's what we deserve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like willing it into existence. Nick, I love that like both Nick and Joe, when they were um, interviewing Gabby and Ariel, were both like, no, no, definitely go to Paradise. Paradise <laughs> is great. Go to Paradise. And both Ariel and Gabby were like, Oh no. Yeah. But we'll see. I'm sure they'll convince at least one of them. They both had to do great it. times on Paradise, but not everyone does. So, yeah. something to think about. Um, let's talk about the big Zach versus Gabby controversy <laughs> that came out in their dueling podcast this week. The big thing everyone is trying to figure out who wanted it to be a secret that they hooked up in the hmm. fantasy suite. On Us Weekly's Here for the Right Reasons podcast, Zach said, or at least kind of insinuated, that Gabby was the one who asked to keep it a secret. He said, Mm -hmm. in that moment, I told her, I was like, okay, yes, this can be a secret. And the guilt ate at me. It's actually sort of an odd way to put it, because it doesn't explicitly say, like, she wanted it to be a secret. And yet it does have the effect of insinuating that she was the one who wanted it to be a secret and that he, like, acceded to that. On clickbait, Gabby, after this came out, responded, if he wants to look at things one way of, like, she asked, can we keep things a secret? I felt like he asked me that. And I agreed. I was like, yes, obviously I want to keep this between us. She also said, I just felt like we had an agreement. This is going to be between us because this is our relationship. And then she said, you know, I don't want this to become a he said, she said situation. And like, he's protecting his relationship. I understand. But like, Mm -hmm. just from my perspective, that's not how it went down. We will never know. We'll never know. (laughs) We weren't there. Why does he keep doing this to us? (laughs) Just tell us what (laughs) happened. I think he, I think it's him. Yeah. To be honest. I feel like they probably just had like a casual mutual conversation and it was like understood that this was going to be between them Doesn't because need like, to be most sexual experiences <laughs> are between the people who experienced them. And then he got in his head, production got in his head, and he was like, "Yeah, I have to tell yeah. everyone. No, the I guilt. feel like in the moment, the guilt, the crushing guilt. He I said feel it like in the, in the moment, they were, yeah, and he's so Catholic, Catholic as guilt. we know. So I relate to that as well. But I do think it's the sort of thing that in the moment you would just be like, well, we don't we don't have to tell anyone. Like we can just we can just do it and not tell anyone, right? Like I won't tell anyone. It'll just be between us. And then when you're there like doing your in the moments and they're like, How's your sex band going? You're like, uh <laughs> sweating bullets. Yeah. Call Jesse. <laughs> Call Jesse. I need to have a sit down. Where's Sean? Where's Jesse? I'm just Ugh. somehow weirdly annoyed at this sort of, it's, maybe it's not fair. It seems a little weaselly to be like, in the moment, I told her, okay, yes, this can be a secret. To sort of imply that it's her fault, and yet to not explicitly say it, I'm like, 
Are you accusing her of pressuring you to keep it a secret or not? I don't know. He is. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> Ash is like, yes, he is. I, mean, <laughs> yes. I, I feel like Gabby is just like, I'm over it. This is what I, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't need to, I don't want to be another headline. Like, I don't want to go back and forth 20 yeah. times over what happened. Like, who cares? How many times are my name and is. the word sex going to be in a headline together? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> she's like, I'm, you know, this happened. Let's yeah. like, let's move on. Just deal with it and mm-hmm. move on. So Zach and Katie went on three podcasts that I listened to I'm after <laughs> the final rounds. <laughs> they went on Here for the Right Reasons. They went on Off the Vine. They went on Chicks in the Office. So roughly in order, uh, on Here for the Right Reasons, Zach also revealed that his last chance dates were aired in reverse and he actually saw Gabby first. And this was very important information Uh because he has been getting hammered, including by us, for saying Mm -hmm. that he knew that it was Katie when he saw her on their last chance date and it aired first. And so then we see him telling Gabby for this whole date that he was still torn. It makes so much more sense. It makes more sense. they reverse this. It makes a lot more sense. There's still a little weirdness about it because mm-hmm. he told Gabby at the proposal, he was like, I didn't fully decide until last night. Until the night, the night before. The night before. Yeah. I think that Foley was doing a lot of work there because it sounds like mm. he knew the minute he saw Katie. And then in his interviews, he makes it sound like a couple days passed before proposal day. And he's like, I just took all that time to really think, to make sure I was making the right decision. So it seems like there was at least a day or two where he knew it was Katie, but he didn't, quote-unquote, fully know it was Katie. He didn't, like, tell producers 1,000%, I'm definitely sure. Like, I get the sense that production tells the lead, like, keep thinking about Mm -hmm. it, don't make the decision. So he probably, in his mind, feels like, well, I didn't, like, lock my decision in with the show. But he did kind of know and so well, I think that's he what was he says. He says they told to him. Make... They told him to take all the time yeah. and to be totally sure, sleep on it. Do you remember what he said in the proposal? Like, what did he say in the pro- what did he say in the proposal? I felt like he said something in the proposal to the effect like he knew it was her like all along. Something he said in the proposal that made me oh, think it contradicted. But I don't want to. I didn't write it down, so I have to go back and watch. But I feel like he <laughs> like, contradicted I'm himself. Gonna go Probably back and did. buy my transcripts. I mean. There is this way that he's kind of trying to play it both ways as they do where, you know, one of when they're with the person that they pick, they're like, I knew that it had to be you. It Mm -hmm. was always you. And then with the people they didn't pick, they're like, I was so torn right up until the last minute. And I think that they genuinely believe both of those things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it doesn't really add up like. You can't go to Katie and be like, the minute I saw you on our our final date, I knew it was you. And then go to Gabby and be like, but I didn't really know it was her in that (laughs) moment. I thought that I did. And then it turns out I did. But what we're learning (laughs) is that he should probably have been less specific about the timeline. He's just gotten himself in trouble. He keeps doubling down. Like, because the thing he said also is, I knew the minute I saw her. But then with the format of the show, I had to I had to just chill out for a couple days. Mm. Before I said yeah, anything. And I think that that definitely bothered Gabby. Right. And it's like, she, you didn't have to reveal that. <laughs> like, I don't right. know. You went into too much detail. 
He keeps doing this. Too much detail, yeah. committing to too much. Like, be more vague, Zach. You're getting yourself into unnecessary trouble. I do think that they love to say stuff like, it was always you, because mm-hmm. it's, like, hazy enough that they can be like, well, it was you. I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> I just had to do the work to uncover the truth that was lying there in front of me, which is that it was you. And then they can sort of have it both ways. Mm-hmm. I think you're right that he did say something like that. That rings true. Um, I can't remember. I'll be, I'm going to check my notes later. Um, he also uh, went on Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. And this is where they discussed the heavy pressure from producers to not do what Gabby said she wished Zach had done and eliminate her before the finale. And Caitlin's mm-hmm. podcast is always just like 50% Caitlin being like, I know how it is. It's so hard for you. I remember XYZ things were said to me. So they're just like commiserating <laughs> about producer pressure. And she's like, well, when on my season, I was really pressured to go through with the proposal day to let Nick have his big sympathetic moment because Andy mm-hmm. had been allowed to eliminate him in advance. and. She was like, I was told, like, people need to see him in this light. People will feel for him. Like, you need to let him have his moment to speak and have a voice. Zach says something a little different, which is that they were just, they were they were telling him that it that he should take all the time that he had to consider it because it was such a big decision. I, I think it's just important to remember that just because producers have, quote, let leads break format in the past, it doesn't mean that every lead has that power mm-hmm. or the knowledge or strength of will mm-hmm. to insist on it. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually and know I'm, what the precise balance is. We don't know if it's just some leads are really insistent or if maybe some seasons producers are like, oh, yeah, that would be a fun new twist if you just like eliminated mm-hmm. him in advance. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. But we do know that leads do not all have complete control in the sense that we might imagine it. That it's like, you could have just done that. Like, Andy did that. It's not Mm -hmm. really quite that simple. Yeah, I do try to have sympathy for the fact that also by the time you get to, like, that point in the show, you're so exhausted Mm -hmm. and beaten down and haven't seen, like, anyone else except, I guess, your family for, like, two hours in several months. Um. And so I get just sort of at the end, just being like, okay, just like, how do I get to the end of this? Mm-hmm. Just like, take me through the end. And if the people yeah. who have been your support systems the whole time are like, you really can't do this. I, I'm i sure I wouldn't have the strength of will to like, try to insist on something different. And they're the experts, right? Yeah. So if they're like, mm-hmm. this is actually going to benefit her, if she gets mm-hmm. to have this moment on TV... It, this is actually going to benefit your relationship if you take this extra time. You're like, well, I've never done this before. They've done it a bunch of times, and it's gone so well all doing. of those times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but they're, yeah, they know better than you do. I do think we um, needed that moment for Gabby because of how public opinion was anyway. I think, you know, it really painted her yeah, um, in a positive light and, like, her second being the second option story, like it really, they kind of finished that storyline out and we needed that. Um, but that's yeah. a good point. That's I the thing. All the reasons that he, that she felt he should have known not to do that to her, exactly why the show desperately wanted him mm-hmm. to do that to her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because she was like, yeah, he knows I don't want to be second choice. And the show's like, she doesn't want to be second choice. Like, let's We're make gonna sure make her she's... Second. <laughs> Every we time. also got, I mean, the best moment that I've ever seen. When she's like, being, don't like, let it be muddy where you pull up when Katie yeah. gets here. Yeah. Yeah, we will talk about her comments on the, on that. She talks to Joe Mobley on clickbait about it. She also, Katie in this interview, big reveal... They're just, like, dropping a lot of stuff. Like, what is the contract banning these days? She's like, I knew that it was me when I walked up to the proposal because I saw heel prints in the sand. I mean, (laughs) producers, come on. Just rake the sand. You gotta gotta rake the sand. You gotta cover that over. Come on. She knew it was her anyway. She also was like, Jesse Palmer was so happy when I arrived. (laughs) Jesse and Zach do not have poker faces. (laughs) <laughs> Ash, did no. you notice that moment when she's getting proposed to and he does that long pause to imply that he's not going to choose her? And she kind of smiled. And I was like, oh, she knows that she he's knows. not really she dumping knew. her. Mm-hmm. And now we know that she definitely knew because they <laughs> forgot to rake the sand and Jesse can't control his smile. Also, Zach and Caitlin called out Nick for dragging Zach's casting on his show while also reaching out privately to say, according to Zach, hey man, I've got your back, I'll support you, and offering his phone number. And Zach is like, yeah, that hurt. That felt like an asshole move. Because the pod beasts never end. <laughs> I, I feel like-, like Caitlin and Nick just go back and forth, but like, I found this kind of hilarious because like, Caitlin, you also absolutely thing. dragged Zach. The same thing. I think, like you said, their podcasts are just about each other at this point. (laughs) Just go on each other. Do a crossover podcast. (laughs) Air everything out and, like, call it a day. They really should. I. They both have this weird business model for their podcast where they both are sort of senior statesmen in Bachelor Nation. So they reach out to offer, like, mentorship and, like, support. And then they also are like, but I'm a podcaster, so I got to be honest about my opinions. And so then they're publicly, like, putting people on blast at the same time. And it does create these awkward situations where you're both doing the interview afterwards to be like, are you okay? What people (laughs) said about you is so awful. I support you. And then also at the time, they were like, this idiot. (laughs) Who's casting these days? It just creates a very, uh, it's like a conflict of I mean, interest. <laughs> we also dragged Zach and then interviewed him, so. Yeah. Well, they're used to no, it. That's kind true. of part of the territory. <laughs> you sign up for light snarking when you get chosen. I mean, that's just what it is. Nobody's being malicious. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's exactly. hard sometimes to balance the role of, like, private supportive mentor and public commentator and critic. Um, meanwhile, on Chicks in the Office... Co-host Rhea was out with a fever when Zach and Katie showed up. Hmm. So she had to send a video message apologizing for (laughs) spreading a rumor that Zach had ended things with his final Rose recipient and was now with Jess. Anyone remember that this happened? (laughs) Jess did a really great TikTok where she was just like, that man did not even take me on a date. Like, you think I'm with him? (laughs) Like... Although, I mean, that is what happened with Peter and Kelly. So, like, who knows exactly. what people are willing to do when we found out that far-fetched. Peter and Kelly were together. Which time someone yeah. said. They broke up and got back together a lot. 
Yeah, they're still together no, right the first now, right? Time, the first time, yeah, they're, they're together, together right now. now. Okay. The first time it's they like got the together, second. I was like, she was like middle of the pack on his show, and now they're together. Okay, but that surprised me less because I was like, Peter has no sense of self and what he wants, <laughs> and clearly, like, was just making all the wrong decisions. So, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, Kelly is totally the person that he should have just like been he, dating the whole he time. He almost married into a position as like. A, a cool Christian youth pastor. <laughs> and I don't think that's what Peter was looking for. So yeah, I don't think he knew what he wanted. Um, but this isn't about Peter. This is about <laughs> Rhea telling everyone Zach and Katie. that Zach was with Jess. And I just thought this was so funny because she's just like, yeah, I was just so excited that someone wanted to tell me that information first. So the fact that no one else had it, I was just like really honored. <laughs> It's a it's like, or you're like, no one else had it because it wasn't true. It wasn't but, true. You know, whatever. I get it. Yeah. This is why I would never tell anyone any rumor I heard because I would be like, someone's probably trolling me. No one would mm-hmm. come to me first with a rumor like this. And finally, the big happy couple update Zach and Katie are moving in together this summer in Austin, their hometown, <laughs> their shared town. Um, I think they they were, like, trying to figure this out. I don't think it ever has been the case that the final couple already lived in the same city. And that is why we keep uh, teasing them that they should have just gone on Hinge. But um, it does seem to really set them up for success. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no who's moving to whose city. They're already in their own routine. They seem like they're doing really great, to be honest, Mm -hmm. from listening to all of these podcast I I mean we kept joking about how they just should have like met each other on hinge and that's like a compliment Mm -hmm. like I that means that they actually have a chance Mm -hmm. like these are real people right they're a real couple they just have Mm -hmm. actually just have lives that seem compatible Mm -hmm. to making a relationship work and I I love that for them and like Katie just seems great Mm -hmm. i feel that way about zach's whole like his whole final four i'm just like i don't have a bad word to say about any of them Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm rooting for them i'm truly yeah he really did and like my favorite thing about zach is that he seemed to like cool women um (laughs) he does seem to have really good taste i'm like good for you i mean good on you (laughs) yeah um they are one of the first couples in a long time coming off the show that I have not only wanted to stay together, but I'm like, I think they will stay mm-hmm. together. So don't prove me wrong, guys. <laughs> We're pulling for you. Um, and let's talk about Gabby on clickbait. First, I just have to say. Oh, my God. Don't listen. Never let Joe Amabile <laughs> solo interview someone Anyone. again. This was... So painful to listen to. Gabby was amazing and candid. But Joe, he just, he's not equipped. I think he would admit that himself. He was very nervous. And also he would just randomly like interrupt her in the middle of a good answer and say something useless. Like this was painful to listen to. No, I'm sorry listening, to Joe. Listening to Joe interview someone solo was really like <laughs> listening to my own internal critiques while I'm conducting an interview. It's like, that was a really awkward transition. Everyone's going to (laughs) notice. Poor Joe. Um, They couldn't, I guess, find a co-host for him this week. And he did his best. Uh, Sometimes you might think, like, maybe we should just hire a professional. 
mm-hmm. professional interviewers to do podcasts. Um, something or to train consider. them. Just or train, train them. Yeah. Just None of them are good, to be honest. If I'm listening, it's because they have a really good guest. I'm like, all right, you got to yeah. do it. Get some coffee. <laughs> yeah. You can make it. <laughs> it's very rare that these skill set for being a, a popular bachelor or bachelorette contestant is the same as the skill set for being a, a really good interviewer or podcaster. Um, and they they haven't been successful with this, this approach. Except Rachel. But... <laughs> Well, it, except Rachel, not often, and she left. but but <laughs> when you hit it, you hit it. Rachel is Rachel's a generational talent. Um, so let's talk about what Gabby did reveal during this very awkward interview. Um, so one thing we learned about Gabby is that she also lived in Texas. I completely miss this. I'm like, oh, she lives in Texas. Like she said that this was a big reason that she and Zach connected and we're like oh we could actually see a future together because she's not in austin she's in houston mm-hmm. but she was like potato oh, potato we could actually logistically make this work um and i love that they were like gabby vermont katie who's canadian she's a texas girl <laughs> and she had like, <laughs> like just they, bo- they both live in texas she had like just moved to texas she hadn't even like her decorated her place yet mm-hmm. yeah so let's let's talk about Fantasy Suites Week and Gabby's perspective. Yeah. She um, got she really got into it with Joe. Yeah. She she, she, she says that, that when he explained his no sex rule, she understood that what he wanted was to not muddy the waters and that he did want to have sex, but he was just worried about the complications that would arise from that. Which I think is true. Like, it, clearly he didn't yeah. not want to have sex with anyone. He just didn't want to be a Clayton, um, mm-hmm. which makes sense. She says, during overnight, she told Zach, you follow your heart where it needs to go. I want it to be me. I know what our life could look like, but I don't want you to think this is some sort of ultimatum, something I'm going to hold over your head. This is our relationship and where your heart needs to go. Follow your heart there. I want what's best for you. And if that's not me, I'll be okay. She said also um, that she was, of course, very aware that there were other women there and Mm -hmm. that Zach was probably falling in love with other people. And she's like, yeah, like, why should they not be able to explore the physical aspect of their relationship as well if that's what they want? Um, And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where, like, both Gabby and Ariel have been very clear that they accepted the terms of the open relationship that they were in mm-hmm. um even and katie what upset gabby yeah and katie which she said like during their during that date i feel like ariel and gabby have been clear about that post show mm-hmm. katie said it on the show mm-hmm. um and what really blindsided gabby and made her upset was everything that came after mm-hmm. she she told joe that she thought she was just like shooting some b-roll of her journaling when Zach came to her hotel room, um, and after they had that conversation, she was, like, confused by it, but she also felt like Zach had left some room for interpretation, like, to the public, because what he had said to her was, like, sex of any kind is off the table. So she was kind of like, oh, this isn't completely exposing me. Um, and he, she even thought like, maybe he's doing this because he also wants to leave room for me to talk to the producers who are like my support team. And I thought that that was, that was interesting. (laughs) 
Yeah. I was struck by that, that she had that whole conversation and was like, he just wants me to feel like I can talk to people if I need to. Mm. And meanwhile, he had already had like a full sit down with Jesse where he was like, mm-hmm. Gabby and I did it and I feel super terrible about it and I need to tell everyone. Those sit downs with Jesse seem to really be at the root of what Gabby was hurt by. And I mm. think that that was kind of our interpretation when we, when we were recapping the finale that like the show aspect of it was really what upset her. And she says this explicitly to Joe, like Ariel and Katie knowing were was not upsetting to her. Like she sort of, she understood why that might be necessary. Um, and she said she obviously realized that Katie knew because they had that little behind their roses mm-hmm. conversation during the rose ceremony. And she was like, yeah, we kind of thought maybe that wouldn't air because we were like whispering behind roses. And Joe was like, no, obviously that's These people know exactly nothing. what they want to air. <laughs> they know nothing about reality TV production. Like what could be more catnip for producers than you like, trying frankly, to whisper that was things to each other? An incredible moment. But she said to Joe, quote, it's not about Katie knowing. I'm okay with her knowing and the people that should have known being made aware of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that there could have been some discretion used when speaking about it. The one person who knew about the parameters was Ariel, and she wasn't informed, which was disappointing to me coming off the show when I spoke to her and she had no idea. She was standing in that rose ceremony just as confused as I was, and he's just speaking to Katie. Well, I think once it's, he I mean, made yeah. the decision to only talk to Katie, you could you, we could assume as a viewer that that's who he was picking because at that point he was just yeah. doing everything he could to establish the relationship and he didn't really care if Gabby or Ariel were like paid the cost or paid the price of him salvaging his relationship. Yeah, and yeah, that's something I think you're that right. he I, was think, I think that Sarah Heron uh, asked Zach about, like, did you at that point know it was Katie and so you were just trying to protect your relationship? And he insisted that no, he did not know yet but it is clear that he knew it wasn't ariel and Mm -hmm. so she had like left his Mm -hmm. calculations and i don't think that he understood how upset gabby was like he understood that katie was upset and so i think he was making the mistake of like overly investing his attention and care in katie who he knew was upset and ignoring the impact that was going to have on Gabby because he was like, well, we we boned and like she's happy about it and like we're fine and like it'll it'll all work out. I feel like it was we've, just a little oblivious. We've seen him not be emotionally responsive like throughout the season, but when it was like less stakes to like when he was talking to mm-hmm. Greer about the whole COVID thing and when he was talking to Jess <laughs> and she was saying she just wanted time and he just was like missing all the signals. Like when he was talking to Gabby, about everything like we don't even know her but we can read her face and tell like yeah something's off she's not into it and he was just like anyway i'm falling in love with you yeah. i'm gonna go tell katie see you later and so he just yeah, missed it but it was big under yeah it was wild to see him miss that in real mm-hmm. time and also yeah. the thing with ariel is that he said he was going to tell her and it's almost like it just fell off his radar like mm-hmm. when you have a work assignment but it's like your lowest priority work assignment when your week is really busy and then it just like gets pushed to the bottom of your to-do list and then like the next week you're just like oh well oh, um <laughs> didn't get done but like not the end of the world <laughs> it's like no you really should have told her that was mm-hmm. actually important um Anyway, so uh, Gabby also 
said that during that rose ceremony and the way that Zach addressed his mistake, she felt sure that it wasn't her because Mm -hmm. of how he acted. And so she said, you know, people have wondered, like, why I didn't just go home if I was sure it wasn't me. And what she says is that she stayed so that Katie would know that she hadn't been chosen by default. Oh. And I know, so sweet. She was like, so sweet. It was clear Katie was the choice. Katie had been the choice. But if I left, she could have felt like she was the choice by default and she was truly the choice. I never wanted her to feel like, well, Gabby left, so he had to choose me because he was always choosing Katie. Um, I think that's, I like, part of me doesn't want to believe her because it's so sweet that I'm like... It's so sweet. I can't buy that anyone would, would do that to themselves for such a sweet reason. That's adorable. <laughs> like, <laughs> are you so sure there wasn't part of you that was like, maybe it's me and I'll just stay to find out? I mean, and she's she said that, like, part of her was still, like, I mean, maybe, and I'm sure that that was in her head, mm-hmm. but it does, I do buy it because she does seem so invested in her friendships that does seem like the kind of person she is, mm-hmm. and also it's, like, you have to consider that it's, it's harder at that point, like, to remove yourself than to just be, like, I'll see this through, at least mm-hmm. if it's not me, like I suspect, there will be this good that will come out of it, which is that Katie will feel chosen, really secure, yeah, and really chosen. So, like, let me just kind of see this to the end. And, yeah, we got that moment where she's like, don't do this to Katie. Mm-hmm. Don't drive her into the mud. <laughs> like, so I, that, that she's also producing makes me Katie's completely proposal. buy this. <laughs> Yeah. She also was like, to be clear, I was not yelling at the driver of the van. I was speaking to producers. (laughs) (laughs) I think with these crazy finales, like with Clayton and Gabby and Rachel and now with Katie and um, Gabby again, like I think we are really getting to see genuine friendship, which is something that's Mm -hmm. happening in spite of all the machinations of the show. So I think I do believe her when she said that she wanted Katie to feel chosen because they posted TikToks and videos like they really do seem to be best friends. And so I think their love story is better than Zach and Katie's, but I'll take Zach and Katie's too. I know. Same. I'm like, you can have um, that's like a nice little bonus, but the real love story. It does make me look back on all these people who left differently. I'm like, Greg. You leave to protect yourself, and now Blake is always going to feel like he was chosen by default until he's dumped a month later for John. <laughs> until Katie is like my, even though Katie is going around being like that was a fake engagement. Yeah, very no, well, was never as it turned out. As it turned out, he was chosen by default. But you know, <laughs> but he's getting hotter though. Have y'all seen him lately? Blake, Blake looks good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta check in on him. He looks good. Yeah, he, good for Blake. He just went through I, it because he I had that. He him. had that infection and oh, uh, yeah, he was sick. And yeah, well, when he was on one traveling. of his trips. Yeah, and yeah. was not doing well. But it seems like he has recovered. Thankfully, well. and apparently, he's <laughs> very hot these days. So, <laughs> I support a a post uh, traumatic bachelor bachelorette experience glow up Me too. from anyone who yeah. goes on this show. Love that. We for love him. to see it. 
I also love that Gabby is like, yeah, of course, Katie and I are good friends. Joe's like, do you think you'll be at the wedding? And Gabby's like, I mean, obviously, yes. Why not? Like she said, if I'm not invited to the wedding, Katie and I have beef. <laughs> I was I, like, Joe, you don't understand girl friendships at all. They're always at obviously, the wedding. Obviously, like, she's invited the to thing. the wedding. This is the thing. They meet. It's awkward because they're all dating the same guy. And then they're they all like, that was a show. Wedding. Yeah. You really only started dating after the fact. Like, that's yeah. all just this weird liminal space. I mean, Leslie Murphy was a bridesmaid for Catherine and Sean. Yeah. Like, this is not, this is not new. In the immediate aftermath, we all act like it's so weird and awkward that the finalists are still friends and the lead is like their ex. And then, yeah, they're all at the wedding. They all hang out. Like, it's most seasons, it ends up being pretty normal. Mm hmm. She also says that she thinks she could have done Bachelorette, but it would have taken a toll on her emotionally. I will say, having mm-hmm. seen her at the finale, she very much seemed like she was not ready to be on mm-hmm. set filming. Yeah, it kind of seemed like she was saying, like, I could have forced myself into it, but it like probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have been the best yeah. thing for me. Um, she and Ariel also both expressed a lot of excitement for charity season <laughs> um, and, like... They were like, she's just was amazing and was like the house therapist. And we're so excited to see more of her personality shine on her season. Yeah, they were like, she's so um, funny. We hope we see more of that. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that was a side of charity that Same. we were not mm-hmm. given. So I'm excited. <laughs> also, Gabby was like, I don't know if I'd go on Paradise. But then Joe asked her if there are any men from Bachelor Nation that she'd like to see. And she was like, honestly, um, I haven't seen that many seasons, so I'm not totally sure, but I would like to meet Tyler Cameron. And she Ooh. also said Avon and Spencer from Ooh. Gabby and Rachel's season. Yeah. I could see her and Avon. Yeah. Couldn't you see that? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. Gabby and Avon would be like the most beautiful, kind-hearted couple you've ever seen. I New England power it. couple. Just I am good so, taste. I, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Both from New England. Okay. Yeah. I love this. I support it. Also, who's going to tell Gabby that Tyler Cameron will never be on Paradise? (laughs) Never. She'll just have to meet him in like an influencer, you know, reality celebrity event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she has a better chance with Avon or Spencer. Yeah. You could see that. Let's shoot a medium shot, not a half court. Exactly. Yeah, I think if you're not a supermodel, you're probably not going to be dating Tyler Cameron anytime soon. <laughs> that's uh, that's where he's at in his life. Um, but we all love, we all want to meet him. Just you know, yeah. just to see what it's like in real life. Uh, I th- yeah, exactly. We keep trying to meet Tyler, and they keep being like, maybe he'll come on the podcast, and then they're like, no, he's busy. He's canceled on us so many times. Doing Tyler doesn't want to be over us. you, Tyler Cameron. It's fine. It's fine. What is you have doing? more important Modeling. things to do. Yeah, what are you doing? Making He's Quibi shows about designing, okay? about designing dog houses, <laughs> dating models, <laughs> pretending to date Kristen Cavallari. I don't know. He's, he's busy, I guess. <laughs> Um, and that is that is the bottom of the barrel of everything that we gleaned from the post finale contestant and lead interviews from this season. We're putting we're putting the season to bed. That's it. The final words have been said. Ash, thanks so much for joining us for this episode. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. Will you tell everyone where 
everyone who's listening can find you, your work, your newsletter, your Instagram, all that good stuff. Everything is at Ash Talks Batch on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And this has been a wonderful time. Like I said, I actually listen to this podcast. So I'm really excited to hear <laughs> my voice and your voices like I do every week. Yes, thank oh, you well, so much. Well, this has been so fun. Please come back in the future. We would love to have you again. Yes, please. <laughs> That's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our guest, Ashley Tabron. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review. And of course, tell all your friends about our show. It helps more people find us and helps us keep growing the show. If you want to get in touch, you can always email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at love to see it pod and Instagram at claireandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at emmaladyrose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week with our first rom-com rewatch of the spring. 